City. WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. Following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. Now listen very carefully. We've already seen back in verse 16 that Paul said something that sounded very similar to this. He said, walk by the Spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. So the question is, is Paul just repeating himself here in verse 25 for emphasis? Sometimes he does that. This is not one of those cases. He is not saying the same thing because the Greek word that is translated walk in verse 25 is different than the word that is translated walk in verse 16. In English, it's the same, not in Greek. Welcome again to Verse by Verse. Today, Pastor Steve Kreloff will be finishing up his study on the conflict between the flesh and the spirit, part three, and will show us that we need to follow the path of the Holy Spirit. This study will also wrap up his series of eight messages on Galatians chapter five on our walk with Christ. Verse by Verse comes to you from Lakeside Community Chapel which is located at 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been ministering there since 1981. His expository method of preaching has led to this daily radio Bible class called Verse by Verse. We pray that these messages are a blessing to you and to your family. At the end of today's program, I will tell you how to order a CD of this three-part study. You can also order a whole set of eight CDs from Steve's messages on Galatians chapter 5 given at Lakeside. It's time for class to begin. Here now is Pastor Steve. Now, this is what Paul taught here, but he, but he taught it other places in the New Testament. So it should not be surprising that we'd see this show up in a passage specifically dealing with sanctification. Where did he teach this in other passages? Romans chapter 8. Notice Romans chapter 8, verse 13. Paul said, For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. He's saying all true believers, this is what they do. They put to death the deeds of the body. And you're a real Christian, and you live. He wrote in Colossians 3 5, Therefore put to death the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. There Paul said specifically, put to death those members, mortify the flesh. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 25, Paul says, everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable wreath. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body. I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Paul said he kept his body under control through discipline, which certainly involves saying no to fleshly desires. Otherwise, he said, though an apostle, it doesn't matter. The Lord's going to put me on the sidelines. I'll be disqualified like an athlete who can't compete in the rules. You don't, if you don't stay within the rules, you're disqualified. Paul said, I'd be a disqualified servant because of my sin. Therefore, I discipline myself. I say no 
to fleshly desires. So here, folks, is the real question we need to get an answer to. If Paul is saying that he wants us to continuously crucify our flesh and put to death its sinful desires, how in the world do we do this? How do we do this? How do we actually go about mortifying the flesh? Well, let me give you a couple of thoughts to help help you to put those fleshly desires to death. I would encourage you to take notes. This is why we put in your bulletin a place to take notes. You're not going to remember this if you don't take notes. First of all, if you are going to crucify your flesh, then you have to hate your flesh. You have to hate it. You have to hate your sin enough to crucify it. You have to keep in mind how utterly repulsive and wicked and evil your fleshly desires really are. You have to hate those ungodly desires and see them for the wicked nature that's theirs. You see, in keeping with the analogy of crucifixion, only, as I said before, only the worst criminals in the Roman Empire were executed this way. Crucifixion was not for the nice people of Roman society, but for the lowlifes, for the scum of that society. Therefore, don't look upon your flesh and its desires with pity. Don't pity it at all, as if those desires have some redeeming qualities, some redeeming virtues, and ought to be treated with a little courtesy and respect. No, don't treat them at all with respect. They are shameful desires, wicked desires, that if not put to death, they will rise up and grow into deeds of adultery, other sexual misbehaviors, idolatry, strife, outbursts of anger, jealousy, drunkenness. They will ruin your life. They will ruin your marriage. They will ruin your family's existence. That's all the flesh wants to do. Don't give it any courtesy. Don't give it any respect. See your flesh for what it really is and kill it. Murder it by repentance or else it will cause you great spiritual ruin and regret. So hate your flesh so much that you want to crucify. You know what will help you to hate your flesh? See the holiness of God. Look at the holiness of God. You look at the holiness of God and the purity of Jesus Christ, the purity of God the Father, God the Spirit, and you will hate your sin. Secondly, if you're going to crucify your flesh and its desires, then you have to be decisive about it. You cannot be tentative about this. You can't think this thing through. You can't waffle. You can't have any doubts about whether you want to do this or not. In other words, you cannot entertain any thoughts that it, it just might be an option of whether I want to let these desires live and develop into sinful actions. There's no option. They have to die. Otherwise, you'll be undone. Listen, when you initially came to faith in Christ, you were decisive about your repentance. You knew that you wanted to turn your back on everything you were aware of that was sinful and wrong. And you knew that you wanted to embrace Christ. You didn't do this in a halting manner. You were decisive. Well, you have to be just as decisive and certain about taking up your cross daily to execute your fleshly desires now. You can't spend time thinking this through, trying to decide whether or not you're really going to dwell on those fleshly thoughts, or else you will find some way, because sin is so deceptive, you will twist things and around, you will find some twisted way to justify and rationalize your sin. That's what happens when you entertain them. You'll come up with something. Sin is deceptive. Satan is deceptive. 
You just have to be firm and decisive in making up your mind that you're going to put your flesh out of its misery by saying no to it daily. Don't have any pity on the flesh. Be decisive and kill it. I love the way John Stott explained this decisiveness in putting to death the deeds of the flesh. Here's what he wrote. The first great secret of holiness lies in the degree and decisiveness of our repentance. If besetting sins persistently plague us, it's either because we have never truly repented or because having repented, we have not maintained our repentance. It's as if having nailed our old sinful nature to the cross, we keep wistfully returning to the scene of its execution. We begin to caress it, to long for its release, even to try to take it down from the cross. We need to learn to leave it there. When some jealous or proud or malicious or impure thought invades our minds, we must kick it out at once. It is fatal to begin to examine it and consider whether we are going to give into it or not. We have declared war on it. We are not going to resume negotiations. We have settled the issue for good. We are not going to reopen it. We have crucified the flesh. We are never going to remove the nails. So do not resuscitate your flesh. Don't bring it down from the cross. Leave it there. Don't make any provision for the flesh. Just continue, folks, to let it die. And you do that by repenting when you are tempted to gratify your flesh. Now, so far, we've seen that Paul has revealed two key truths concerning our battle for sanctification. If we are going to overcome our fleshly desires, he says, number one, you must walk by the Spirit. Fill your mind with biblical truth. Number two, we must crucify the flesh daily. Kill it. But now the third and final truth Paul gives about sanctification is that in order to overcome our fleshly desires, we must follow the path of the Holy Spirit. Follow the path of the Holy Spirit. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Now, Paul tells us here that if we live by the Spirit, and in the original Greek text, the assumption is that we do. If we live by the Spirit, we do. We live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. We do that, we live by the Spirit because we are Christians. Christians have all been made alive by the Holy Spirit, and he is the source of our life. So the assumption is this is exactly what is true in our lives. Then, since we live by the Spirit, Paul tells us we are to walk by the Spirit. Now listen very very carefully. We've already seen back in verse 16 that Paul said something that sounded very similar to this. He said, walk by the Spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. So the question is, is Paul just repeating himself here in verse 25 for emphasis? Sometimes he does that. This is not one of those cases. He is not saying the same thing because the Greek word that is translated walk in verse 25 is different than the word that is translated walk in verse 16. In English, it's the same, not in Greek. In verse 16, the word walk is simply the ordinary word for walking. But this particular word that Paul used here in verse 25 means, note this, to walk in a straight line, as in a military formation. 
In fact, this word was used in ancient Greek literature to speak of soldiers who lined up in in ranks and files, and then they would stay in line as they marched. That's the word that's used. So what Paul is saying then is that if we hope to win the battle for sanctification by overcoming our fleshly desires, we have to keep in line or keep in step with the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? What does that mean in practical down-to-earth terms? It means that we are to walk along the path which the Holy Spirit lays down. Once again, what does that mean? It means we are to follow the ways of the Holy Spirit by following the Word of God. The Word of God reveals the ways of the Holy Spirit. In fact, it's His Word, the voice of the Spirit. Now, take note of something that's very important. The only way to keep in step with the Holy Spirit and His Word is by being disciplined, not lazy, disciplined. You will never grow spiritually if you are not disciplined to use the means of grace or the means of growth that the Spirit has provided for you, such as studying the Bible. You'll never, you'll never overcome the flesh if you're not in the Word and the Word is not in you. Spending time in prayer. You'll never overcome your flesh if you are not connected talking to the Lord on a regular basis. Fellowshipping with other believers. That's how God strengthens us worshiping him, sharing the gospel with unbelievers and serving him, obeying his ordinance of baptism and regularly participating in the Lord's Supper. These are the ways that the Spirit of God has provided for us to walk in his path. It doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen simply because you want it to happen. It takes discipline. If you are going to overcome your fleshly desires, then you not only need to be merciless, in crucifying your flesh, but you also need to be disciplined in order to stay on the path that has been set for you by the Holy Spirit, not deviating to the left or to the right. So I've said all along, no one ever overcomes their sin by being passive, by being lazy. It takes discipline and determination to follow the path of the Spirit of God. God will always give you the strength to do that. That's his will. But if we follow the Holy Spirit, as he says to do this, by following his word, Paul says that we will overcome all of our fleshly desires. That's his promise to you. It's not wishful thinking. That's his promise. And the apostle closes this passage by mentioning three fleshly sin issues that had become a serious problem amongst the Galatians. That's why he's writing to them, because they, they weren't doing this. Verse 26, let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Now, Paul, first of all, says that some of these Galatians had given into their flesh and had become boastful people, meaning that they were conceited, thinking that they were superior to others in the church, looking down upon others. It may very well be that those who followed the Judaizers' zeal in keeping the Old Testament laws, felt that they were morally better, more spiritual than those who didn't follow those laws. Legalism often breeds that. It breeds a haughtiness, thinking that you're better than others. Or it's possible, on the other hand, that those who understood their liberty from the law were boasting about it, and they were looking down on those caught up in legalism. Regardless of which side they took, their boastful behavior was nothing more than fleshly sinful pride. 
And Paul says, just stop that. Walk in the, in the sphere of the Spirit. Secondly, those who were boastful had become engaged in, he says, challenging one another. They were aggressive in arguing and quarreling with each other. They took sides, boasted, and quarreled about it. Third, there was a great deal of envying going on amongst the Galatians, probably by those who were legalists, being envious of their brothers who knew their liberty and were able to enter, do certain things that they were not allowed to do. They may have argued against them, but deep in their hearts, they wish that they could have done those things. So envy. Now, regardless of what exactly, and we're just speculating why this all came to pass, regardless of what exactly was taking place behind the scenes, these sins were going on. And Paul's inspired instruction to them and to us is, number one, walk by the Spirit. Fill your mind with biblical truth, and you will not feed the flesh. Number two, crucify your flesh. Keep putting to death those fleshly desires by constantly renouncing them as evil. And number three, follow the path of the Spirit. Be disciplined by walking in the line that he has set for you in the Word of God. Do all of this, and Paul says you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You will live, certainly not in perfect, but consistent victory. Now, God, as I said before, has been very gracious to us as a congregation here at Lakeside to enable us to sit at the feet of the Apostle Paul and learn from him how to overcome our fleshly desires and have victory over those desires. Not every congregation has that privilege, but God has given it to us. So you have to apply it. It won't help you if you don't apply it. You've wasted your time if you don't apply it. You have to apply these truths to your life in order to be victorious. So my question to you as your pastor teacher is, what are you going to do differently? What's your strategy? Do you have a strategy? What are you going to do different now that you didn't do three Sundays ago? What strategy are you going to set up to help you in the battle for sanctification? Any good Christian books you've decided to read, are you inquiring about that? What have you decided to do? Any reading materials or other materials that you've decided to throw away and not look at because they are nothing but lust stimulators? What about your prayer and Bible times, Bible study time? Do you have a plan to have one of those or to sustain one? Do you have a quiet time? You're not going to grow without a quiet time. How could you possibly grow without hearing the word of God and speaking to the Lord? You can't. Are you determined to decisively say no to any temptation to sin because you are convinced that your sinful desires are repulsive and shameful? Or do you secretly admire and respect those sins and wish that you could really repeat them? Are you convinced that they need to die? Folks, these are the things we all need to consider and act upon. Otherwise, you have wasted a golden opportunity. Now, if all of this battle talk and warfare, and struggle is something that you just can't relate to. You don't have a clue what we're talking about. You don't understand this. This is foreign to you. It's not your experience. Then I must tell you, you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, because every single Christian understands this stuff. They may not be able to articulate all the theology of it, but when they hear the truth about the struggle inside, they say, yes, that's where I'm at. I know exactly what Paul is talking about. Every believer knows this. If you don't, because you're not a believer. So I urge you, 
I urge you, if this is foreign stuff to you, clueless about it, you need to come to Christ for salvation. You need to renounce your sin and trust Christ alone for your salvation. But if you are a believer, then you know what this battle is about. You, you understand it. And for you, I close with these words once again by John Stott, praying that these words will embolden you to win this battle for sanctification. Here's what Stott wrote. This victory is within reach of every Christian, for every Christian has crucified the flesh, and every Christian lives by the Spirit. Our task is to take time each day to remember these truths about ourselves and to live accordingly. If we have crucified the flesh, which we have, he says, then we must leave it securely nailed to the cross where it deserves to be. We must not finger the nails. And if we live by the Spirit, which he says we do, then we must walk by the Spirit. So when the tempter comes with evil insinuations, we must round on him savagely and say to him, I belong to Christ. I have crucified the flesh. It is altogether out of the question that I should even dream of taking it down from the cross. Again, I belong to Christ. The Spirit dwells within me, so I shall set my mind on the things of the Spirit and walk by the Spirit according to His rule and line from day to day. This is what we need to do so that we won't gratify those wicked desires of the flesh. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us as a church, body, and family, a congregation, to learn these glorious truths. Lord, it is really a privilege, and I pray that as a church family, we won't take this for granted. You've given us the opportunity to sit as if we were in the first century hearing a letter from Paul, which comes from you. Help us to apply these truths, to understand them, to have the wisdom to come up with the strategy to deal with these things, because, Lord, as you know, we'll walk out of here, and if we're not conscious of this, we'll fall right into our old patterns. We'll, we'll feed those thoughts that are ungodly. So help us, Lord, to meditate on these truths, to come up with a strategy, to read great stuff, to listen to godly music, to, to watch those things that do not tear us down and tear us away from you. Father, help us to spend time in your word, to use the means of grace, even the Lord's Supper tonight, how important that is, and we we so often overlook this as a means of grace. I pray, Father, that you'll help each of us who understand the battle to do these things that your word says. And I pray for those who don't understand this battle, Lord. May you open their hearts to the gospel. May they see their sin for what it really is, utter rebellion against you. May may you put into their hearts a hatred for this sin as you draw them to yourself. And may they come to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, it's in his name that we pray all of this. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Steve, for these studies that have been so very helpful to all believers who want to walk with their Lord in obedience to God's word. You can listen again to this and many other studies by going to our website, versebyverseradio.org, and clicking on the Message Archive tab. Or you can order a CD of the last three classes of Verse by Verse by calling us at 727-239-0306. 
The entire set of eight messages on Galatians chapter 5 can also be ordered. That phone number again is 727-239-0306. Thank you for listening today. If these programs have been a blessing to you, why not make it possible for many others to receive the same blessing? Your prayers and financial support are a vital part of continuing to produce and air verse by verse. We depend on interested listeners like you, who first have been faithful to their own local church, to come alongside us and help with the financial burden of producing and airing these programs. If you have a desire to help financially, call us at 727-239-0306. You can also give online at versebyverseradio.org and clicking on the Giving tab. Your regular support is greatly appreciated. On our next Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will begin a different series of studies, make plans